Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to All Things Creepy. I'm your host, Micah James. And this week, I decided to make this episode at least somewhat local. And I am talking about 12 haunted places in New England. The reason why it's semi-local is because I myself live in New England. So I wanted to talk about a few of these places. I do plan on eventually taking a few days off here and there this year and next year to visit some, if not all of these places, and maybe even some that I'm not even mentioning in this episode, and making videos about them, about my adventure to that place, seeing if I catch anything, and posting it on my YouTube channel. I will be posting a link to my YouTube. I do have a few videos on there, but I plan on hopefully uploading more on there eventually. Also, side note, I am also on TikTok, which I'll post in the show notes as well. Anyways, I will be going state by state. So, with enough rambling, we're starting in New Hampshire. So, let's get right to it. So, like I said, we are starting in New Hampshire. Our first stop in New Hampshire is the New Hampshire State Hospital in Concord. This hospital was built in 1842 and was originally known as the New Hampshire Asylum for the Insane. It was built to look as nice as possible to almost kind of trick the families who are dropping off their loved ones to make these families think that the patients will would be taken care of very well, and if not very well, at least well enough. However, This was far from the truth, as you can probably imagine, because not a lot of mental institutions back in the day treated their patients very well. The hospital quickly became overcrowded and underfunded. Patients were also kept in their cages for, quote, their own good. Instead of trying to rehabilitate these patients, the goal ended up becoming to keep the mentally ill away from the public. And today, apparently, you can still hear the sounds of the patients who had lived there. Our second location is the Nancy Brook in Jefferson. In 1778, there was a woman named Nancy Barton. She ended up running into the woods one night to chase after her fiancé. This fiancé happened to run off with her entire life savings In one source, if I can find it again, I'll link it in the show notes, but in one source, I read that this unnamed fiancé ran off with her life savings and with another woman, but I'm not entirely sure how true that is. Nancy was found soaked and frozen at the side of a brook 
which later became known as Nancy Brook, and was buried around that area. And you can still hear the echo of her screams near Nancy Brook. Our next two stops are in Massachusetts. The first one is the Judge Corwin House in Salem, Massachusetts. I mean, of course, it's hard to talk about haunted places in New England without talking about Salem. The Judge Corwin House is also known as the Witch House and originally belonged to Judge Jonathan Corwin. This man oversaw the execution, or I guess you could say more accurately, the murder of 19 people. Corwin and his wife had five kids who all ended up passing away, which many people think led to the haunting of this location. There have been reports of cold spots, touches on the bare skin, and dis- disembodied voices. Our other location is the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast in Fall River. So you might have heard the rhyme. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. This is a case that I could probably make a whole entire episode about, but I feel like there's a lot of podcasts out there that have already covered it pretty well too. And if I can find like the episodes specifically of these podcasts, I will put them in the show notes. But people believe that Here's the, like the Spark Notes version. People believe that Lizzie murdered her father and her stepmother despite being acquitted. There are a lot of theories as to why she might have done it, if she done it at all. Two big theories that I've seen were uh, she was having an, uh, an affair with the family's maid. The other theory that I saw was that Lizzie just hated her stepmother so much that she just had to murder both the stepmother and her father. Today, though, people who work and stay there say that there are footsteps and a floral scent. Some even reported a woman's face appearing on the basement wall. Next, we're heading to my home state of Connecticut. The first stop is the Seaside Tuberculosis Sanatorium in Waterford. This building was built sometime in the 1930s and specialized in treating kids with tuberculosis. Over the years, it did change into various other facilities before it was closed permanently in the mid-1990s. It now sits abandoned and people have reported hearing patients inside the building. I tried to look into this to see if it was open to the public like whatsoever, even just for like ghost tours or anything like that. And as far as I could find, it's not open to the public whatsoever. So I can't in good conscience recommend even going there. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I can't necessarily stop you from going, and if you are going to go, please look into it before you actually make the trip and take all the proper steps and precautions, because if it's not open to the public, there is probably a damned good reason, regardless if it's haunted or not. 
I mean, it's been sitting abandoned in the nineteen nine since the nineteen nineties. So even putting the haunting aside, there's probably also that safety risk. So I guess my recommendation, haunting or not, probably just don't go to this location. Our next stop is the Bacahawk Ghost Town in Palm Fret. There are actually surprisingly a few ghost towns here in New England. If you're in the U.S. and you think ghost towns, you probably think more of like the West, like California or Arizona, places like that. But there's actually even a few here in Connecticut. The other one that I can think of off the top of my head is Dudley Town, but that's a whole other episode where we can really get into that. Bacahawk specifically was settled back in the 1780s around a flax mill. It ended up being abandoned before the Civil War, and all that remains right now are ruins and cellar doors. People have reported seeing a ghost baby up in a tree, as well as phantom horse-drawn wagons. People have also heard disembodied voices. The next state we're talking about is Maine. So if you're a horror fan, you probably know about Stephen King and how he's from Maine and how all of, a lot of his stories take place there. So it really shouldn't come as a surprise that there were a lot of haunted locations that I could have chosen from. So it was a little hard for me to narrow it down to two specifically, but I did my best. I can probably do a whole entire episode on just haunted places in Maine and just weird stuff that happens in Maine. But our first stop in this state is the Olsen House in Cushing. This house was built in the late 18th century before becoming home to Christina and Alvaro Olsen. It is believed that they are the ones who haunt the property. People have heard footsteps as well as doors opening and closing throughout the house. The next stop is the Kennebec Arsenal in Augusta. This building was once a mental institution, so like the other mental institution, you could probably imagine that patients weren't treated very well. The hauntings that occurred today happen because a lot of people believe of the mental anguish that the patients went through. And honestly, that is no surprise Again, this is like a general topic that I can probably cover in a later later episode, just like the scary and messed up shit that happened in mental institutions. It's it's honestly horrible. Now we are off to Vermont. The first stop here is the University of Vermont in Burlington. The campus is home to many ghosts, and of these ghosts, a lot of them also, quote-unquote, belong to certain buildings. I could go through each ghost, but that would be, like I said, with a lot of these subjects so far, it could be like its own episode in and of itself. And on top of that, if you listeners ended up going to University of Vermont and you have a story about this I'd love to hear it and if possible share it on my show anyways I did 
find two examples of these ghosts. In Converse Hall is a former student. He was unfortunately electrocuted in the late 90s and passed away. He's known to turn radios on and off. Then in Redstone, a ghost is said to hold ill will towards female students, some of whom have been chased out of the building. And like I said, these are just two examples. There are so many that I can probably go over in a future episode, which I'm probably going to do anyways. I would, For that episode, I, w- I genu- genuinely would love to hear from anybody who went or currently goes to uh, University of Vermont or who teaches there or has taught there. I would love to hear your stories if you've had any encounters and all of that. Next is Laurel Hall and Museum in Cuttingsville. There's this statue of a man named John Bowman who stands near the mausoleum. People have reported that it seems like this statue tries to gain entrance into the tombs where his wife and two kids are buried. And right across the way sits the mansion where they lived. It's said that within the hallways you can hear an infant crying. And our last two locations are located in Rhode Island. The first of these two is the Hotel Viking in Newport. This hotel is known to have residual hauntings. In case you don't know what a residual haunting is, these are kind of like the memory ghosts, essentially. Basically, they don't interact with today's surroundings like we might. They tend to show what happened when the person or people were alive, like what the last thing they were doing in said location before they passed away. In this case, the major residual haunting of the Hotel Viking is a party happening right above the old ballroom. Other hauntings that I could find and more or less confirm are cold spots, footsteps, and flickering lights. There were other like hauntings that I saw that I couldn't necessarily find like actual stories about, like basically just people talking about I couldn't even confirm if they were there or not. So it's this is one of the locations where like if you actually stay at the Viking the Hotel Viking, I would love to hear your story if you experienced anything at all. And finally our very last stop is the Southeast Lighthouse on Block Island. This lighthouse is home to a very real-life murder. The keeper threw his wife down the stairs during an argument. His wife ended up earning the nickname Mad Maggie, which I'll, from here on out, will be referring to her as Maggie. He did end up going to jail, but Maggie stayed at the lighthouse. She is known to throw things, lock people in their rooms, and chase them out of bed, sometimes even outside. Because her murderer was her very own husband, it might be no surprise to learn that all of Maggie's victims have been men. Yeah, 
so those were 12 haunted places in New England. There are so many haunted places around the world that if there is a topic you want me to cover, please hit me up on Instagram, TikTok, wherever you find me. Email me, all of that. Uh, and I will gladly add it to my list of things to talk about because like hunting is just like, they interest me so much. So, you know, or if you even just want me to dive deeper into any of the topics I talked about in this episode alone, just let me know. Don't be afraid to reach out and I will see you guys next week. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Electric acid.